Hey, everybody, welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 119 with Mike Palmer, the host of the Trending in Education podcast. Uh, so this is super fun. I uh, always appreciate talking with Mike. I was on his podcast recently, so uh, it was nice to have him uh, on mine. And we covered a lot of ground, uh, hear a little bit more about Mike's story. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. Uh, make sure to check out everything we mentioned in the show notes and connect with uh, Mike and listen to his show. It's uh, really great. Uh, and just another quick mention, uh, we've got our merch store, great sale going on this week. So definitely go check that out. And you can also hop on to our Patreon uh, to support the show as well. Uh, links for both of those in the details and uh, description of this episode. Uh, but without further ado, this is episode number 119 bonus episode with Mike Palmer. All right. So we are here. Another meeting of two hired podcasters. Always nice to have uh, someone else who's just in the game in the thick of it. I know you, you've been uh, going consistent with weekly episodes for a long time. So I'm excited to kind of uh, pull some some learning and some morsels and anecdotes from uh, that long experience that you've had uh, podcasting and higher ed here with your show, which we'll obviously talk more about. But uh, Mike, if you want to start us off, as we always do, just introduce yourself uh, and give a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Uh, I'm Mike Palmer. Uh, I began my journey, uh, I guess, as a kid. Uh, I learned a lot from my dad, who uh, was an early adopter of technology. So he was always trying out the next new thing. Uh, and he really continued that on into uh, late in his life. Uh, and uh, yeah, from that, I uh, also got a love of learning, I guess, from dad. And, uh, and then uh, Thanks to pretty good SAT scores, I wound up uh, getting a scholarship to go to New College in Florida, which uh, wound up being the best choice for me uh, in that it was an alternative educational concept. Uh, they No grades, uh, you contracts, seven contracts, and then you write a thesis and you do three independent study projects uh, to graduate. So uh, that all made a profound uh, impact on me around uh innovation around educational models. Uh, and then coming out of there, uh, I uh, worked a bit in psychology at first, was planning to go to graduate school for that. Uh, but I also began uh, teaching for Kaplan, do, uh, you know, again, uh, going back to my, uh, my beneficial experience with uh, scoring well in these tests, I saw that they, it could actually open up doors for you. It, it, it helped me graduate from uh, college debt-free. And um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, had a really great career at Kaplan, began as a teacher, uh, got into curriculum design, instructional design, rose, rose through the ranks a bit, wound up a vice president of digital media for uh, Kaplan. And uh, from there, as an R&D project, we launched the podcast, which is uh, Trending in Education. Uh, that launched uh, as a sort of a Skunk Works R&D project in September of 2016. Uh, and yeah, we've been doing it uh, four and a half years since then. I left Kaplan in 2019 to start my own uh, consultancy. And uh, and then I've been doing the podcast, uh, you know, independently since December of 19, which, which has just been such a crazy year to be thinking about uh, trends and transformation uh, in education. Uh, obviously, you know, at the time you didn't know like where it was leading, but like that you kind of can see that connective tissue, even from like childhood to now of always just kind of being exposed to like, what's the new thing. And just like, uh, cause I guess part of it is like, you're being out of your comfort zone and you know, when you learn. So, um, I think, uh, there's a lot of times that like, even for, for 
podcasting where people just kind of want to be like, look how much I know, like, look at me. And it's sort of like ego driven or something. But it's like, I can imagine with this podcast that you've been doing for so long, you know, in so many different ways, you've kind of had to be putting yourself out of your comfort zone of being like, I don't really know about this. You tell me. And, you know, maybe maybe I'll step in it somewhere, but like, you'll let me know. Yes. And like, you know, kind of teach all of us uh, in the right. process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the learning science term you hear frequently is desirable difficulty. So, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be challenged enough so that you're you're not staying where you are, uh, but you don't want to be so challenged that you wind up uh, feeling helpless because you can't uh, actually overcome the challenge. So what I like about a podcast is that at the end of the day, uh, there's no lives on the line. Uh, you know, if best case, you're going to have a great conversation. People are going to enjoy listening to it. Worst case, maybe you don't ship it, you know, and then it's just lost uh-huh. time. Uh, but like it's, it's, and I think lots of times your guests, if you do a good job and, and when I listen to you, Dustin, I definitely pick up on this, you know, you're making your guests comfortable. And by virtue of making your guests comfortable, you make your listeners comfortable. And uh, that just dials down a lot of the pressure. Uh, and then I think being comfortable, not being the smartest person on a topic is something uh, I've certainly had to do just because I've had so many, um, it was different when we had fewer guests, in which case I was competing with my co-hosts and sometimes I could mm. actually be the sharpest uh, tack in the tack box. But uh, but I think when you start interviewing people who really are bringing a wealth of knowledge really beyond yours, um, it's an interesting blend of humility and uh, stepping up to the challenge. I was uh, talking to my wife uh, earlier and I was just commenting that I always feel like I haven't finished my homework. You know, like there's always another show to prepare for. There's always another domain to ramp into. Um, and um, I think it's, I guess it's a flavor of the imposter syndrome too. You just have to be comfortable, you know, swinging above your weight a little bit in terms of having these conversations with folks. And then lots of times you'll stumble into to really interesting places. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's also a difference too of like doing an interview format because like for me, yeah, it's like, it's a great way to talk with other people uh, about the things that I care about. And then I know it's relevant to others, but like, you know, the person where it is like ego driven, the sort of the other end of the spectrum is like, you know, and these it can be hugely compelling where it's like somebody who's like really knowledgeable and super competent. It's like, yep, it's just me talking into a microphone every week about whatever I want to say. And it's like, yeah. wow, you know, when those are done well, it's like, that is incredible that you made, you know, however many minutes of content every week uh, be really interesting. And it's just you, you know, uh, kind of talking at your audience and, um, right. you know, but you yeah, know, yeah, you know, podcast, you know, it could be any, any kind of format doesn't really matter. Um, well, yeah. I mean, in, in particular, podcasting is really exciting now and that uh, the genre is kind of mutating and transforming itself in really interesting ways, especially if you look at the, the genre more as audio in general, uh, because, you know, uh, Clubhouse is a really interesting mm-hmm. platform that, that, that I've been tracking. I saw you, you were tracking it as well. Um, it's an interesting blend of invite only social media meeting podcasting uh, and live um it's almost like a live conference experience i, I did mm-hmm. hear uh, I, I did see someone say that uh clubhouse why would i go to clubhouse because it reminds me of all of those panels that i get stuck at at conferences you know so like there is a little <laughs> bit of uh irreverence uh to it as well but um but yeah i mean i, I think it really does come back to that lesson of the, just my dad who i guess was the generation uh, before baby boomers, or I don't know, he's a little bit older, mm-hmm. but um, you know, he he remembers when uh, mainframes were, were were being used, and then he would 
when the personal computer was happening, he could see where that was heading and he wanted to, to bring it home. So he was always, you know, kind of tinkering with what was new and what was emerging. And I just learned from him that that is what we do. And to his credit, he was doing it well on into his seventies, even into his eighties. And, um, that just felt like a really good model for me in terms of, you know, staying curious. Uh, and that was one thing that was really great during a, a really long run at Kaplan was I was always being exposed to new content domains and I'd have to try to absorb, uh, as much of it as I could. And I, I do like trivia too, you know, so I am, uh, you know, I am a four time, uh, trivia champion, uh, at Kaplan test prep. Uh, mm. so, uh, so I do have that, uh, under my belt and they can't take that away from me, Dustin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm curious cause obviously, I mean, it's a very compelling, uh, premise of like, you know, the idea of, you know, you maybe you're just, you're interested in trivia and sort of what's uh, novel and new and all that, just, all, you know, connecting it all the way back to your you know, origin story as it were. But, um, you know, in terms of like, I'm always kind of curious cause like for me, like, you know, I was an avid listener of podcasts and, you know, I've been doing this for, uh, between different shows, uh, some people like do the mental math, I guess, uh, next month, it's going to be eight years. Um, yeah. so, uh, I'm curious maybe like how you initially got into it or what was sort of compelling about doing this versus like you said, like kind of examining all these different platforms and ways that you could be putting content out there or just sort of like, yeah, like kind of figuring out what is trending. Like you could have done that in a lot of different ways. Like, did you have mm -hmm. like a background with like radio or, um, I don't know what kind of inspired the podcast, like just that one little, like the catalyst of it, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it was that, uh, Kaplan test prep was part of Graham holdings and so was uh, slate. So slate, uh, had an audio booth, a whisper room, uh, that they bequeathed to us uh, at Kaplan and, you know, we installed it in the middle of our uh, cubicles there. So that became, um, I liken that to the, when the gods must be crazy, uh, you know, a Coke bottle falls among, among a tribe in, in Africa. And, and like, there's a, there's a completely different understanding of what the thing is, but, uh, but we, we, it was my job to be experimental with technology, uh, to, to see what's happening in new and emerging media beyond education and try to find the applications of the, of those trends. So that's why it was a bit of a natural fit. And then, uh, audio mostly as a listener. Um, and then also as someone who spent a good deal of time reflecting on e-learning and, uh, instructional design and someone who thought a lot about the power of teaching a lot of the power of teaching is really the power of their voice. And that's a very profound in insight when you arrive at it, uh, because frequently you're thinking about the, the physicality or, or their face, both of which are, are, are really important as well, as well as their cognitive uh, virtuosity. But I think the thing that people really learn from is the spoken word uh -huh. and, and, and the genre like podcasting uh, gives you that level of a focused channel that I can just listen to. And this is where I refer to, uh, you know, our ears as our learn holes. Uh, but, uh, but they're really there to take in information and to understand language. And uh, obviously you want to pair them with your eyes, uh, also known as your learn balls. Uh, and uh, you want to have both of those things working at the same time if you can. But, um, but there's a rich history of, uh, the power of the spoken word, whether you go back to, to, to the history of poetry or hip hop or uh, philosophy, uh, in all those cases, it was really the words and the way they were intoned by a speaker that were uh, so profound. So, um, 
So I've gradually gravitated to that. Also, I, I, I find that I'm not a big eye reader now that I can listen to books. I, mm. It's less, less often do I have the affordance of my eyes to read with. And more often, especially if it's voiced by the author, I want to, I want to get the sense of emotion and, uh, you know, idiosyncrasy that you get from voice. I mean, yeah, all really, I mean, just, I think the, the depth of that and also just, uh, taking it with some, some levity, I guess, um, you know, sort of the, uh, duality of just like, you know, the, uh, technical terms of, uh, you know, learning holes and learning walls. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, cause I think, but it's, it really is that, like, cause, um, you know, we mentioned really briefly, like before jumping on here, just like the, that idea of like, oh, if you do like a video, you know, interview or podcast, whatever, like it's going to have to be shorter. Like people's attention spans to just stare at something for a while. Like mm-hmm. they're probably going to end up being like, well, I can still hear them talking. I'm, I'm going to like go up and, you know, do something yeah. else really quick. So it's like, well, you might as well just do uh, the audio. And when it's done well and, you know, high quality, it's, yeah, it could just be really compelling in all those ways that you said. Like it just makes like in kind of that, a weird way, like it allows someone to focus better in some circumstances i feel like but um mm-hmm. yeah so really interesting a, yeah if you break it down it's a separate perceptual channel and our ears and brains were designed to take in these really rich inputs uh, also if you think about the power of music which is another uh element of this that i think we're just scratching the surface of that like bringing music into podcasting uh in much the same way that it's incorporated into radio and uh and more theatrical productions. Uh, I think we're really just at the beginning of a, of a renaissance. I like to say, uh, you know, audio is the new video is what I, I was saying a few years ago, and it sounded funny at the time. And uh, now it's 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 true. You know, if, if you think about, uh, especially if you start extending it into things like uh, immersive uh, 3D audio, which, um, you know, I saw the, the David Bowie exhibit uh, was here at the Brooklyn Museum uh, a couple years ago. And it was all 3D audio where, you know, you would wear your headphones and then based on where you were in the museum, you would start to pick up on different music and the music would help you wayfind to a particular uh, Bowie costume where he was or video uh, installation. It was really profound, you know, and it's, it's these ways in which you can think about that audio channel as almost operating in parallel to what's happening around people, uh, which is where I think, you know, when audio starts to meet augmented reality and mixed reality and virtual reality, um, that's going to be a pretty trippy ride. <laughs> but, uh, but I feel like just understanding the surround sound aspects of the design, um, is going to be a really interesting place to, to geek out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know there's people, cause it kind of gets to one of my questions here and I'm jumping around a little bit, but just like, you know, podcasting or just, I mean, audio content as it relates to like, Pirate, and you know more so i guess learning perhaps or just you know yeah. uh maybe even on like just kind of like a marketing side or branding but like on that learning aspect for a bit because like you're saying you know it's this like museum exhibit or something that's a learning opportunity obviously somebody's going to kind of absorb uh knowledge through the exhibits and everything um you know the audio design in that experience being um i'm sure just a huge opportunity and then i know there are people uh trying to build out like audio learning courses so they're just sort mm-hmm. of I mean, audio only, I think really, or, or at least like audio first. Um, right. So I think that's really interesting too. But, um, and I know like I've, I've experienced too people being like, well, yeah, I mean, if we're building out like an online course, maybe we could not do a video and do, you know, a quote unquote podcast instead. Um, right. 
So I think, you know, it, it is something that's like just becoming so ubiquitous that I think people are just accepting it as like, well, actually, yeah, we could do this, you know, in a way that is audio first or like incorporate audio in a way that's uh, more creative than perhaps it's really ever been. Right. And and also, I think I, I think that's a huge opportunity for brands and for universities who I, I think increasingly are thinking of themselves as, as, the, as the brands that they are to... Are, activate an authentic voice that can represent their brand uh, in a way that is very human and accessible uh, and that signals the culture that you want to put out there in the world. Uh, I think it's a new level of pressure to find that voice. Uh, but I do think the, the, the universities and organizations that do this um, will have a significant uh, advantage, uh, particularly if they can activate more than just a singular voice or more than, you know, uh, a couple of white guys talking to each other, uh, if they can start to, to really, you know, almost capture the, when I think back to my college experience, I think about the conversations I had. Uh, and that's the, the thing that I think you can get pretty close to uh, through the power of audio. And, um, and that's why I'm really excited. I mean, and I'm not just I'm not just about audio. Like we, you know, I do a lot of live streaming and virtual conferences. Uh-huh. Uh, this this is all my consultancy. This is the type of work that I do. But um, but in terms of uh, the stuff that that I really can't stop thinking about, and that I'm uh, writing more about, and and that's the other aspect of audio that is really interesting is that uh, in many ways it's becoming the written word, uh, where you if you have audio, you immediately have a transcript. And then if you want to publish that in a way that is accessible to folks who may not be able to hear it or folks who might prefer to read it, um, it's all of a type now. Uh, And then the same thing in terms of unlocking the power of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and uh, data mining, you know, as we're speaking right now, these the text is being generated in some sense. Uh, And then if we were to publish this as text, people could also read what we're saying. And uh, that to me is, is a, is another level of insight around um, audio and also video, but really the part of video that turns into a data set that can be mined most easily. It is the, the voice, although facial recognition and all that other technology is, is also emerging. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I'm a big, uh, a big believer in, uh, in the power of audio. I'm also, you know, I know you talk about technology. This is an ed tech podcast. So I, I am also a big fan of uh, Descript. So I use Descript for, uh, for all of my editing and uh, transcription. And um, it, it, it does the insight that I'm talking about here about audio and text being the same thing. Uh, in, in many ways, they're doing that through their platform. Uh, and that's allowed me to really streamline my production uh, workflow so that now I'm doing two shows a week and it's just me. Uh, my wife helps on the website, uh, and uh, and I get help occasionally. But like, but the editing and the post production, that's all done by me in in Descript, and um, and that's a really interesting model because I think you can start to scale uh, really high quality content. Uh, if you imagine not me, but like a you know Sal Khan, and if you could train up you know ten or fifteen really outstanding instructors who are powering these channels that are generating. Uh, a ton of content, you know, in, in many ways you can start to solve some of your content uh, scarcity problems and uh, and then rapidly stand up new stuff 
uh, in response to some of the emerging skills gaps that we're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the idea of like, there's definitely space for just like building these skill sets more broadly because, uh, you know, any organization, any department at university, like you'd want to be able to like, well, yeah, let's like, you know, put out content ourselves or like, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Just not have it be like bottleneck for like, well, we got the one person who can edit audio at our campus or something like that's it. And it's like, well, no, yeah, there's different platforms that make it pretty user friendly to uh, do those things. And we'll definitely link out to that um, uh, tool that you mentioned, but um, yeah, I mean, I I also do everything myself and I think it's interesting because like to an extent, like I started this as kind of just like, Oh, it'd be cool to do this so I can just learn about it. So I just know, what it takes to do a podcast, but it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. I'm learning so much and like kind of building a network and all that. But uh, I'm curious, I guess if that was sort of a similar thing, just because I think this is like a bigger question we can spend a lot of time on. I'm just like what you've learned from this experience. So I think I imagine maybe like initially, like you mentioned, like there's kind of just this thing dropped in the middle of your kind of bullpen and being like, "Hmm, maybe I can use this for this other thing. And just like, doing it to learn how to do it less so like, Oh, I'm going to create the biggest show in a you know media empire or whatever. That's just like, well, I want to do it because I want to play around with like, you know, these tools or platforms or whatever. Um, cause I, cause I'll often do that where it's just like, Oh, let me like use this thing to try to manage my social media or like, you know, create these like short audio clips of podcast episodes or something. So I'm kind of just like playing around, but from that you really can kind of stumble into something and it's like, Oh, you know, people are finding this useful. Like, uh, you know, this is a good use of my time and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm curious, yeah, just like broadly, like what you've learned from this experience, if you want to kind of hit on a couple of different things yeah. over time or, um, or what. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, the design concept matters. Uh, so I think the idea of looking at what was emerging in learning as broadly as possible, which is the the real initial design intent of trending in education, and we're still pretty true to that, is like, you know, don't don't focus on a silo, look laterally whenever possible, laterally and across, you know, if something's happening in one particular domain of education or learning, could it be applied across more domains? And then if something's happening in an adjacency, like uh, technology, media and entertainment, uh, you know, e-sports, gaming, you know, something I know, I know, I know you have some passion for, um, could that be applied, uh, in new ways within education? So it's a combination of both those things. I learned that, you know, doing a podcast with that as your design intent is smart because it's going to motivate you to keep doing it. And, uh, and then you're going to always be learning and staying relevant. So in way, in a way it was designed to keep, uh, keep us frisky. You know, if you had to talk about things beyond what we were doing at the time in test prep, uh, it required us to ramp in new ways. Uh, and, that's good because the skills that we learned today are going to be outdated, uh, you know, in the next few years. Uh, and I've been in this career long enough to realize that that happens, you know, like the stuff that I was great at 10 or 15 years ago, uh, is probably no longer relevant, uh, in many cases, particularly the more technical you get. So like there is a level of, um, uh, transitiveness, uh, transitory, it's transitory, mm-hmm. Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget exactly what, I, the word that I would use, but, uh, but these, this stuff disappears very quickly. So you have to be forcing yourself to explore new things. Uh, and it's also, um, I think that's a way to keep your mind sharp is to, uh, 
encourage yourself to always be facing novel challenges uh, because increasingly the the well-worn paths uh, are going to either be fraught or they're going to disappear. So taking the less worn paths and being a little more experimental and improvisational uh, will ultimately be beneficial to you. And, uh, and then that's, I think applicable uh, to higher ed in particular, where like, you know, I've focused more on higher education in the last year than, uh, than ever before. And that's in part because I saw the most disruption and transformation happening to the point where, uh, you know, we're never going to go back to where we were in 2019. Uh, Whatever emerges out of this, as we begin to blend higher ed uh, in-person experiences to whatever continues to, to happen online, um, that will open up some real opportunities for those who want to be uh, on the right side of the cutting edge. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I think it will also introduce new problems uh, around access and equity and financial viability on the wrong side of the equation. But it does feel like a shock to system so that those who were not comfortable with novelty, not comfortable with putting themselves into those uncomfortable uh, positions where they have to learn new things. It is a bit of a sink, of, sink or swim uh, dynamic that I think many of us are, are, are going to begin to face. And uh, I think that's when you have to relax and lean into um, the learning opportunity. Like this is it's the only way you get better is to try new things. I guess what kind of is resonating. It's a really interesting sort of like meta aspect because it sounds like, you know, the podcast kind of started as like this like experimentation and learning, but then like the podcast itself is about experimenting and learning. Like, so it's like, it came to be with the same ethos that you kind of live out through each episode and everything. So there's something beautiful about that, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like obviously you're probably learning things from the episodes uh, themselves too. And there's like, cause I know that that's for me. And like, we were talking about kind of getting out of your comfort zone and um being open to, uh, yeah, just not knowing things and like really just being open to learning and asking the right questions and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Can you think of anything in particular that you feel like was like, you know, just in recent memory, like maybe a recent episode where it was like really enlightening of like, wow, I knew nothing about this before. And this episode was like, just at least just for you personally, it was like super enlightening. You know, recently I've had more conversations about virtual reality uh, and its applications, uh, which has really, Uh, It was a trend that I identified, you know, I I was looking ahead at 2021 and I was talking about 21 trends and virtual realities, you know, what I called simulearning, but learning through simulations as something uh, that, uh, you know, I had already been talking about prior to the pandemic, but then the pandemic has really uh, fast forwarded that in in many interesting ways, Uh, not to mention, you know, the, the fact that faster connections are being built. And then many of these simulations are also, you can access them through a PC. Um, but um, but that's really got my wheels turning a bit just around what new media formats are gonna emerge um, that uh, the the platform I was talking to, uh, it was Anarupa Gangali, and she's uh, the CEO of Prisms, Prisms of Reality is the name of the company. Um, and then I recently talked to uh, a guy at Victory XR, uh, which is also a augmented reality, virtual reality. Um, but those technologies are really interesting to me because like as someone who remembers when Second Life was a thing back in the early 2000s and, uh, you know, kind of wasn't that interested in it and didn't think it was that cool. Uh, and then 
you know, Avatar happened and we were like, oh, yeah, 3D is pretty interesting, but but kind of whatever. It's always interesting when these technologies finally reach that point in time when the adoption can really lead to meaningful transformation. And um, I think augmented reality, virtual reality is one that is really, you know, if, if you're thinking about the technology side, I think that's something that's really uh, on the cusp of, of, of a major breakthrough. Uh, but then beyond that, the trends that I wind up gravitating to more lately are around, uh, you know, design thinking, uh, social emotional learning, um, you know, the importance of social justice and, uh, you know, enlightenment. And that's another one that's also interesting. You know, if you start juxtaposing virtual reality with uh, teaching social skills or, you know, Mersion's a really interesting company that that's doing that type of work. Um it's just fun to be able to spend a little bit of time focusing on what's what's really just now possible. And uh, especially as those cycle times keep on accelerating, uh, if you play with your head up, the 2020s should be a pretty fascinating time to uh, to really invent new forms of instruction. Yeah. Um, Mersion was the one I was thinking of when you were talking. I was like, oh, I saw that one time and it was really cool. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll link out so folks can uh, check out all those uh, uh, different things that you mentioned, but um, yeah, I mean, all of those are things that I feel like I've been just kind of hearing more and more about. Um, so the idea that you've like, you know, learned about them and continue to learn more uh, as like time goes on through your podcast and just like, you know, because I feel like it's like that phenomenon of like, once you hear about something for the first time, you start seeing it everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, has this been always around? Or like, is it is it just now really becoming that much more common? I think it's definitely kind of a latter Um yeah, it's also uh, it's also the uh, the availability heuristic though too. Mm-hmm. Like that is like humans are notorious, you know, confirmation bias. You know, like once we anchor on something as existing in the world, uh, we're more likely going to notice it more. Uh, and there's all these other things that we're not noticing at the same time, uh, which is uh, which is interesting. But uh, that's the other. I mean, the other trend just to to add one too is just more around um, performance psychology, uh, behavioral economics. You know, like next level social sciences that are designed to optimize human performance uh, is something I was always interested in uh, at test prep. And now uh, you're starting to see that with, you know, it's the Peloton of learning or Mm. even, even learning while you're on your Peloton. But, uh, but that space, I think, you know, the self-improvement movement has been huge and I don't feel like learning has quite cracked into it as much as it could, but I would anticipate that to happen uh, particularly if you could get like the smart dashboard about your cognitive development or your social emotional development in the same way you do, you know, your your biking intervals <laughs> on your Peloton. Uh, that's the type of stuff that's probably going to be emerging in, in the in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, super cool stuff. And I guess, you know, anything else you'd want to kind of just name drop uh, resources for folks, either just like, Stuff that's grabbing your attention generally, or if it relates to podcasting or education or otherwise. But uh, yeah, nice to kind of yeah, sure, out yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, trendinginteducation.com is the website of uh, the the podcast we were talking about. Trending in at trending in ed on Twitter, uh, and then Palmer.media is uh, my website. So that's where uh, we're about to be uh, relaunching in the spring. So I'd say keep an eye on trending in ed on Twitter. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn and then uh, Palmer.media is where we're planning a bit of a a launch in uh, the April-May window. So so if you like what you're hearing here, you like what you're hearing on Trending and Ed, I'm excited for some of the new stuff we have uh, uh, cooking on the horizon. 
Very good. Yeah, we'll uh, link out to all that uh, for sure. And uh, we'll wrap up the episode then here. You know, any final thoughts or calls to action to end the episode on? Because I feel like we've kind of been speaking a lot about, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, learning and growing and, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and those sort of things and uh, curiosity. But um, yeah, anything anything you want to wrap up on? Yeah. One other show. I just had uh, Jeff Gotthelf on the show. Uh, He wrote a book called uh, Forever Employable, uh, which I thought was uh, really interesting. He's the guy who wrote uh, Lean UX back in the day. Uh, and he's had a long history of, you know, extending agile and lean practices into uh, new domains. Uh, some, that's another trend that I've seen a lot of in, in higher ed. But uh, but in in Forever Employable, he talks about thinking of yourself uh, as a product and beginning to ship as regularly as you can and learn uh, not just from the successes, but also learn uh, from your failures. And uh, I think there's just a lot of meaningful lessons to be learned there. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, both of us have started these podcasts. And um, the only thing stopping you from becoming a creator in the creator economy is you. And there's a point at which if you're not making things, uh, there are people out there who probably are. And, you know, you probably want to learn some of these tools just so you can stay frisky uh, and employable, you know, well on into your later years. So Forever Employable was a, was a pretty interesting book. And I just had had Jeff on the show and uh, wanted to put that one out there as well. Well, I think that's a great way to uh, like uh, sort of wrap it up, though, is because I think that really summarizes a lot of what we talked about, too. It's just that idea of like, like, well, you know, like, what's what's the big deal? Why should I stay so curious or learn these new things? It's like, I mean, like for kind of your resiliency in your career or just to be that more marketable and those sort of things. Like, obviously, that's not the end all be all the most important thing in the world, but it's, it's up there. It's very important. So, um, so I think that that's, uh, very compelling and, you know, it can take whatever shape, like you said, I mean, it's whatever tools, platforms, or just like, because I mean, for me, like you mentioned, like being into esports, I, as of the recording of this, just finished my last course for my esports certification. So ah. I'm, I'm not like exactly sure what I'm going to do with that yet, but it's like, that's something distinguishing that not a lot of other people have yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been keeping an eye to see if there's opportunities to get involved in that space. But, um, you know, I have something formal that is like a credential that shows like, wow, you've really done your literal homework, <laughs> like formal, yeah. you know, kind of learning through these short courses on it. Um, and it's, yeah, just kind of trying to stay frisky, as you said, you know, just like being in that place where it's like, you know, kind of nimble and agile and lean and those kind of verbs and everything, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's, that is often advice that is, uh, applicable in our, in our kind of daily lives. But, um, like you said, it, it's showing up in a big way, uh, in higher ed as we kind of get into the space of like hybrid and, um, different things where it's just like, yeah, like somebody could just kind of like pop into this online course, go to on ground, do this, that, the other thing, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, great, great point to end on. And thank you so much for uh, taking the time and all that you shared. And um, as always, we'll have ways to connect with you and everything that we uh, talked about here in this episode in the show notes, but um, always great talking to you, Mike. And it's just, again, it's always like super awesome to talk with another podcaster because you just kind of, you just got to get it. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just always a really good time. So always happy, happy to do this and, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. I really appreciate your work as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate review and subscribe. So you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the higher ed geek podcast.